You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. For those of you that are visiting with us or have never been a part of one of our application Sundays, um, what we do typically every month and a half or so is we step back, we eat breakfast together, and just give some extended time to uh, fellowship uh, with our church family. Uh, But then we, instead of plowing ahead in our teaching, we pause and reflect back on the previous five, six, seven sermons, kind of recap some of those things that we've been learning and discussing together, as well as giving some points of application um, that we can uh, then be faithful to do the things that we're learning and not just simply hear them, process process them for a week or so, and then continue to move forward with new things all the time. So uh, we do that again today. We're going to step back. We're going to recap just briefly some of the things that we've been learning over the past couple of weeks, and then we're going to transition into, because of the new year, um, some resources and tools that you can use to ensure that you have a productive 2016 in regards to spiritual goals that you may have for yourself. Um, several weeks ago, we, we were looking at the discussion around Abraham and Lot and what transpired at Sodom, and we began looking at a conversation that took place between God and Abraham regarding the fate of Sodom. Uh, that God saw fit to communicate to uh, uh, to Abraham what was going to transpire at Sodom. Um, and so we reflected on the fact that nothing done by God is unjust. And that week we, we spent time talking about that not only is nothing too hard for God, because you'll remember when the visitors came to Abraham and his family, they were communicating that Sarah was going to have a baby, that Abraham was old, Sarah was old, but within the next year she was going to give birth to the promised child. Nothing too hard for God. But in addition to that, we learned that nothing is, is ever done by God that's not right or not just. And so he communicates to Abraham what's happening at Sodom so that when Abraham, who's close enough to see the city, when he sees uh, fire raining down upon that city, that he understands that it's for right and good and just reasons. And so the conversation transpires, if there's enough righteous people, will you spare it? God communicates that, yes, he will spare it, but ultimately we find that there's not enough righteous people to spare the city. Um, What we do learn is that Sodom's wickedness was great. It was more than just homosexuality, that there was oppression towards those uh, that were visiting the city, um, and the oppressed cries had reached God, and so he comes down and brings judgment upon that city. Um, So some of the application we talked about that week Um, the importance of interceding for others, that Abraham interceded for Sodom, and ultimately it spares Lot and his family because Abraham intercedes, God spares them. And so we talked about the need that we have to intercede for people in our life, friends and family members that we know are not believers, that are currently under God's wrath, that uh, will one day stand before God, that we want to intercede for them now, praying that the Holy Spirit would work in their hearts, bring about conviction in their life, and bring them to salvation. Um, we also talked about any areas in our life that we may need to have increased faith and trust in God about his goodness. Um, it would have been very easy for Abraham to question God's goodness, seeing a whole city consumed in his wrath. Um, and there's oftentimes situations that we hear about in our life, bad things happening to perceived good people. I mean, it's easy for us to question God's goodness. And this is a reminder, this, this story, this account is a reminder to us that God only does right and just things and that he's promised to work good for his children. That moved us into the actual account of, of Lot. And we talked about Lot being kind of a, an odd character in Scripture. 
uh, because in um, Peter's epistles, he's considered a righteous man. And yet most of what we know from the narrative in Genesis is that Lot doesn't do anything right. That he seems to be a wicked, evil guy, or at least at worst, or at best, a complacent individual that just kind of sits in the midst of sinful situations and does nothing to, to uh, push God's glory forward. Just kind of a complacent, passive individual. Um, and this story reminds us that um, our salvation is not based on our good works. Because what we do, we, we deviate from the gospel when we read Lot in the New Testament. And Lot's called a righteous man. And immediately we're, start, we, we're prone to start trying to list off anything good that would make him worthy of salvation. And it's contrary to what we understand about the gospel, that, that we aren't saved by our good works. We're, we're exempt from that so that there is no boasting before God. And so Lot is ultimately saved the same way that Abraham is. And we spend some time talking about how similar Abraham and Lot really are. That we want to think of Abraham as this man of faith and Lot as this passive, complacent individual. And yet we find both of them struggled to leave wicked places. That when God called Abraham to leave, that there was a progress for him to get out that he didn't just drop everything and leave immediately we talked about how both surrendered family members for sexual purposes to other people lot does it with his daughters but abraham does it on two different occasions with his wife tells pharaoh to take her tells abimelech to take her don't kill me take my wife if you want her to be yours so both were willing to give up others to spare themselves Um, so we talked about how they were just a lot there's a lot of similarities between the two and that it's by God's grace and the work of Christ that both are counted righteous and that both are saved. Um, some application that we talked about that week, are we tortured by the sins of those around us? Because Peter does tell us that one redeeming quality of Lot is that while he lived in Sodom, he was convicted and tortured and uh, just overwhelmingly grieved by the actions of people around him. Um, and so we're to have that same mentality as well. We shouldn't tolerate uh, wickedness around us. Uh, we also talked about making sure that we raise our kids in a way where they uh, identify the sins around them and are grieved over it. You'll remember Lot made a poor decision. He moved his family to live in Sodom, and his kids were consumed with the mentality of Sodom. His brother-in-laws or his sons-in-laws don't leave with him. The daughters don't really want to leave. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're raising our kids in such a way that they're exposed to things in our culture, obviously, but we're teaching them to not tolerate it and to not be okay with some of the things that they see um, around them. That led us, after that story, into talking about some of the besetting sins, one specifically that continues to pop up in Abraham's life. Early on in, in the stories of Abraham, he goes down to Egypt, and he surrenders his wife to Pharaoh to spare himself. Um, and then we see decades go by where Abraham is characterized more by his faith, We see that interaction with God before Sodom perishes. And so we're starting to think, oh, Abraham's on the up and up. Like he's he's gotten things figured out. He's trusting in God, believes his promises. And then Genesis 20 comes along where he plummets right back down, where we see Abimelech show up. And um, he's, again, paranoid that he's going to kill Abraham for his wife. And so Abraham once again surrenders his wife. And we learned in that account, because of the conversation he has with Abimelech, that this is a prearranged situation for Abraham and Sarah. That they agreed years ago that any time they came into a situation where somebody wanted her to be their wife, that they would lie 
and say that they were brother and sister so that Abraham wouldn't be killed. And so we talked about besetting sins, sins that continue to pop up in our life, that are, that are characterized uh, as something that continually gets you. So we all have different sins that we personally struggle with that maybe others in our church don't, right? None of us that I know of struggle with lying about the identity of our spouse, okay? That was kind of unique to Abraham and his context and his situation, but it's something that seemingly has popped up probably more than the two times we have in Scripture. I doubt that this is the only time that they ever encountered this situation. And so um, it's a besetting sin. It's something that continues to pop up. And so we said as a summary, all Christians must attack besetting sins in their own life in order to maximize their witness for God's glory because this ultimately has a negative impact on his relationship with lost Abimelech. That Abimelech's perception of God and what it means to follow God is tainted and distorted because of what he sees from Abraham. And so we've got a responsibility to fight off besetting sins in our life. Um, Some things we shared that week that believers do sin, and sometimes we commit the same sins over and over and over. Um, That in order to find victory over besetting sins, we have to stop planning to sin. And that's where Abraham and Sarah never had a conversation where they called off that prearrangement. They never sat down and said, hey, we we decided a long time ago we were going to lie about this. Let's stop that. Let, let's change how we're going to handle this. They never have a, a husband-wife conversation where they decide to do things differently. Um, so for a lot of us, we continue to fall into the same sins over and over and over because we never determine to change the patterns that lead us into those sins. Um, and so one of the ways that we get over besetting sins is to make plans to stop putting ourselves in situations where our flesh is going to give in to them. Um, We talked as well about letting others in our life know about besetting sin so they can help hold us accountable to those things. Then the last two weeks, we've talked about two births or um, the birth of Isaac and then the the removal of one that was previously born to Abraham, that being Ishmael. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the birth of a promised one, talking about Isaac. We said the miraculous birth of Isaac is meant to increase our faith in the miraculous birth of Christ which we are called to respond to with joyous praise and obedience. So there's all this anticipation in the Old Testament about Isaac being born. Um, he's born miraculously. He's born to two old people that are beyond the age of being able to have kids. God miraculously gives them a child. God does that to help increase our faith in a virgin birth in the New Testament. So if God can quicken dead wombs, he can also quicken virgin wombs. Um, and so God is a God who reveals himself in such a way to be a powerful God, and he helps build our faith in big things in the New Testament by kind of giving us stages in the Old Testament to put our faith and trust in things that he's promising. And so we see the birth of Isaac. Uh, We celebrated that, and then we allowed it to point us to the birth of Christ during Christmas season. Um, Things we learn about about God through the birth of Isaac, God is faithful to his word. He has a set time for doing things, and he's not subject to human limitations. Those are all truths that help us in our own life. Um, We're reminded constantly, or we need to be reminded constantly, that God is faithful to his word, and he's faithful to the promises that he makes to his children, that he has a set time for doing things, and it's not always according to our time frame, um, but that we can trust that he is is working and doing good for his children, and he's not subject to human limitations like two individuals that are too old to have a child. Um, And then last week, we talked about Ishmael being cast out, uh, the fleshly one. Uh, the summary sentence, we are called to respond in faith to God's promises rather than to perform legalistic acts for his approval. 
um, we went this direction because Paul uses this account where Isaac is born, Ishmael, who is older, remember he's in his teens, is making fun of or teasing Isaac as a baby, as a three-year-old. But P, uh, Paul in Galatians says that it's, it's more like persecution, that there's a, an intentional effort to, um, to attack Isaac. And potentially, we said, if they were allowed to grow old together, that there would have been a situation like Cain and Abel play out where Ishmael would have potentially killed Isaac so that he could be the promised one to inherit everything of Abraham. So God allows Ishmael to be cast out. We said that it seems odd that God would cast away Hagar and Ishmael when uh, Hagar had nothing to do with this, that Sarah was the one that forced Abraham and uh, Hagar to have a relationship. But we said that ultimately God saw the conflict that was coming, so he's very good and gracious to get Ishmael out of there. Um, this also is validation for the sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham has to let one of his sons go and never sees him again. That prepares him for when God says, give me Isaac, that there's no backup plan, that Abraham really has to put his faith and trust in God completely because he couldn't uh, fall back on Ishmael. And then we said, really, the gospel analogy that comes out in Galatians 4, it's so huge that God allows this story to be a picture to us in the New Testament the difference between a, a mentality that we have to do things to earn God's favor versus Christ earning God's favor for us. Um, and so it's a great passage that I encourage you to go back and look again at it, Galatians chapter 4. Um, and then application we looked at last week, we're called to trust in God and Him alone without any backup plans if He falters. We should be trusting in God so that others around us take notice and glorify Him. You'll remember uh, at the end of that chapter, Abimelech uh, reaches back out to Abraham and says, everything that you do, God is with you in it. What a testimony for others to look into our life and be able to say something similar. That every time they see something happening in our life, they see God actively present and moving in us. And then we said we ought to remove anything in our life that would pose a threat to God's work in us. Ultimately, Ishmael was that type of threat. And God had to remove him to make sure that Abraham and Isaac and Sarah continue to move forward in the way that he had designed for them too. So... A lot of things that we've covered over the past few weeks, um, a lot of it, again, focuses on God's promises, things that he promises in the Old Testament that correlate to things that he promises to us in the New Testament. And so, um, you know, as we continue to move forward, just really praying and asking that God would continue to increase our faith and trust in him and his goodness as we encounter different situations in our life that we're able to use the things that we're learning here in Genesis to reinforce what we know in Scripture, that God has good intent his children okay um i told you last week that after reviewing some of our sermon stuff from the past couple of weeks we were going to transition into talking about some goals and things for you to potentially work through for this new year a um, couple of reasons for that we looked at second thessalonians last week so if you have your bibles and you want to turn to a couple passages real quick with me first we're going to be in second thessalonians chapter one this is the passage we looked at last week through uh, John Piper's ministry to look at the book series. It says, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's talking about this desire that he has to pray for those at this church praying that there would be a, an accomplishment in their life, um, a, a movement towards good things, that 
things that were resolved to be done would be done, he says, that he may fulfill every resolve for good. So we talked about that concept of resolve for good in regards to where we're at with a new year, talking about resolutions, things that we resolve to do in the new year. And why those things are good, because we need to resolve to do good things. If we're going to have a productive year, 2016, not just for us personally, but a productive year when it comes to Christ's kingdom, doing things that are good, being people that are zealous for good works, we have to plan for those things. Uh, D.A. Carson, one of the things he says is that people do not drift towards holiness, right? You're not going to wake up in December 2016 and say that you're a lot more like Christ by accident. We're not going to become like Christ by simply just going through the motions this year by accident. There has to be some intentional planning, some intentional resolve to make progress in our sanctification. Philippians chapter 3, if you want to turn over there real quick. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this mindset of celebrating things that have happened, but putting those things behind us and moving forward, pressing on, realizing that all the good things that God has done in our life, all the progress, all the growth that maybe we've experienced individually in our faith, those are great things, but we don't want to be content with what God has done already in our life. We want to continue to press forward and to press on and to see that there's much work to be done. And the the assurance to us in Philippians is that God starts a good work and he finishes the good work. So we keep pressing on, desiring to work out our salvation, as Paul talks about in Philippians as well. Um, And then Proverbs chapter 4, I think, is another helpful passage. um, Because oftentimes, New Year's resolutions focus on reading and studying. And Proverbs chapter 4 reminds us of why those things are good. It says, Hear, O sons, sons of father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender the only son, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Some of the things we're going to talk about this morning um, involve us gaining wisdom, getting insight, and pursuing that in our life during the course of this year. Before we get into some things this year, I wanted to remind you of some things that we talked about last year. This time last year, when we were kind of setting goals for our church, some of the things that we talked about, they were flowing out of our discussions of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Um, We talked about how do we plan to reproduce ourselves in 2015. You'll remember we had talked about the mandate that God gives to his creation to be fruitful and to multiply. And so we talked about our responsibility spiritually in 2015 to reproduce ourselves to find others that we could invest in, to pour our lives into, um, to build people up in the faith. We also talked about the importance of um, maximizing single years. So we had talked about 
Genesis 2 and 3 that it's all about relationships and it's about husband and wife, but that there's this idea in the New Testament that singleness is so important, that it's a gift from God, that it's given to some of us for a short period of time in our life. Others, they're actually called to it for a long period and that we want to be faithful during our single years. So those that are single in our church to use their single years for maximum glory, because Paul says singleness is good because it gives you more time to serve Christ. And that we also wanted to be a church that encouraged our single people because you read that and you say, okay, Paul, I hear you, but as a single individual, I really want to be done with this part of my life, right? Like for those that know they're not called to singleness, they anxiously await that next stage in life. And so as a church, um, we, we, we encouraged you and, 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 and hopefully there was effort made by our church this year to encourage our single culture and to, to help spur them on to being the, uh, the type of singles that God desires for them to be. Um, and then we talked about improving our work environment, that we would be individuals that are called to work, as Genesis 1, 2, and 3 talk about, that we would make intentional effort to better our work environment by being a light and being a positive influence uh, in the places that we work. Some things this year from a church goal standpoint, and then we'll talk about some tools that you can use to develop personal goals. But from a church goal standpoint, you'll remember that we're in year two now of our five-year plan. So on the back, in the back of our room there on the board, we've got things that we're, we're working towards over the next five years. So we're into year two of our five-year plan. Um, and this is one of our goals is to plant a church or to send people to Uganda to begin a church plant over there. This year is the year that we start sending people. Um, Chris has every intent to leave um, come September. Melissa's taking steps to go as well to, to begin working with the ladies over there. There's others in our church that are praying about going as well, um, which is huge for us because this means that we've got some responsibilities for those that aren't going. Um, but realizing this year we start sending people to Uganda, uh, we want to continue to grow towards our 150 people here in this church. Uh, we are kind of in between 50 and 75 probably right now. Um, I'd love to see our church grow to 100 by the end of this year with the intent of us planting another church. So don't mishear that and think that we're just like every other church that wants to continue to grow and continue to build buildings and get bigger and increase staffing. That's not our heart here. Our desire is to grow bigger so that we can send people out to plant another church. And so we want to continue to make progress in that area. There's responsibility on your part, obviously, um, where you're sharing the gospel with people. And the desire being that, that new believers come to Christ because of our efforts and they join our church. We also realize that other people are going to come from good churches in this area and want to join us here. And so um, we desire, however God sees fit, to grow our church to 150 people so that we can plant more churches. But I'd love to see us continue to make steps in that direction uh, towards 100 people. Um, we're going to need two new deacons this year. Uh, with Chris and Melissa both leaving, um, two of our deacons will be leaving. And so, uh, again, on the board, our goal is to raise up five elders and five deacons so that we can send people out. And so we're going to need to add to that this year as well. And then there's been such, uh, such an encouraging level of growth from our church's involvement in local ministry here in Sonoy. There's been a lot of you that have embraced opportunities at I-58. Um, we continue to have a great presence with the Coweta Pregnancy Services in Noonan. Um, I'd love to continue to see our church uh, expand our roles in those areas. Um, I know we have a great 
reputation with I-58 right now. I'd love to see more of our people involved there. Um, I'd love to see us kind of even branch off and, and help them in other ways. We've talked about some a little bit, um, but I'd love to see our local ministry involvement continue. But to help us kind of understand where we're at from uh, a standpoint of Uganda and the support that's going to be needed to send these people, Ben's going to come and pass out our budget for this year. So you can kind of see the effort that the deacons have put in to put that together. Um, he's going to give you a quick update on how much money we currently have sitting in our bank account to support people to go to Uganda. And then in the next couple of weeks, once we get December numbers all put into play for our budget, so three, four weeks, he's going to give you an actual um, thorough update as far as how much money was given last year and where that money went here at Sovereign Hope and how we plan to use the money that you're going to give this year moving forward. So Ben's going to come and give you a quick update with our budget. He's got copies to pass out um, as well. budget in everybody's hand since we're in 2016. Uh, my name is Ben. For some of the visitors in here that don't know me, uh, I help out with the finance stuff. Um, met with Chris. Raise your hand over there. And then Melissa over here for people that don't know them. Uh, we went through our budget. It is really similar to what we did last year. Nothing is different. Um, we take uh, the money that we get in here really seriously. I want to make sure that I say that every time I'm up here. Uh, we put a lot of stuff in place so that um, there's good accountability across the board. Uh, our budget is different than most churches do their budget. Uh, we have a definite expenditures you'll see at the top. Basically, we set up uh, all the things that we know that we're going to have to pay for, the real basic stuff, uh, rent. We have a financial secretary. She provides outside accountability that does accounting for us, uh, insurance that we have to have in place, uh, utilities that we have to pay, P.O. box that we keep for mail. Uh, we got Internet last year. Uh, that ended up going down. We expected that to be about $70 a month, and it's actually about $30 a month. So ended up being a lot cheaper than we expected. Uh, cleaning services uh, and then the regular media stuff that we do. Um, down there, we have licensing, uh, the city. Uh, we added the podcast and the website last year as well. Uh, ministry expenditure, so we go through, uh, we spend all of our definite expenditures every single month, uh, and then after that, we take all of our money and then we do it into a percentage-based system. Uh, so we do 60% into missions, and that's broken up into the outreach, uh, special projects, and member care. Uh, to Chris Henson in Uganda, 15%. Uh, and then Snowbird, which is in North Carolina. Uh, and then we have the teaching compensation, which is 25%. And then I explained that to you last year, and I can spend some time with you on the side to explain that. But basically what we do is we set that up to a cap of $200. We called around a bunch of local churches to figure out what people were paying guest speakers, so we set a cap to that. So if we don't have enough to pay them that cap, then they get whatever um, is available at that time. If there is more than that, then it rolls into a different account, an elder's account. And I'll explain a little more about that in a second. And then the last one is operation, children's discipleship, and then the general savings account. Uh, 15% goes in there. So that's the budget uh, real quick. Um, I did meet with Chris and Melissa. Uh, we went through this, and they were okay with that. And then we met with the elders, and then they approved it. Um, and we have um, in our bank account, we have four different accounts. Uh, we have an elders account, Sob Hope International, member care, and operations. The elders account is money that is over the $200 cap, so we have that set at 25% right now. So if there's any money that's over that, it goes into that elders account. 
uh, and that money basically accumulates over the year. That money is set aside if there is anything for the teaching ministry that the guys need. They can take from that account, but there's really hardly any expenditures that go in that throughout the year. Uh, we have the Sob Hope International account uh, where we added to that. I think we started that last year uh, with $10,000. Uh, and that came from our general savings from the previous year. We just rolled that into the Sovereign Hope International account, knowing the five-year plan. Uh, we have an, a member of care account, and that account is used for anybody that's a member at Sovereign Hope if there's any kind of needs, uh, special circumstances, and those type of things. And then we have an operations account that we just do our general month-to-month spending type stuff. So normally what we do at the end of the year, we look at all four of those accounts and we try to figure out, hey, how much do we need to start the next year in? So we start with a minimum balance in each one of those accounts, and then whatever's left over, it usually goes into a general savings account. Well, last year we decided we were going to roll $10,000 into the operator, into um, Sovereign Hope International to kind of get that thing going with our first year of saving for that. This year we decided that we were going to just go to minimum balances to all those accounts. Um, Elder's account, we're starting at 800 The Sob Hope International is staying the same. Uh, member care, we just start that at 4000 And then operations, we're doing two times our monthly expenses. That way if we came into some kind of hardship, we could still pay our um, monthly bills and not get kicked out. So we're rolling all that money this year into Sob Hope International. And uh, by God's grace, we'll start this year with a little over $40,000 in that account. So. Uh, that's all the updates I have. Any questions that you have for me? And you can also hit me up afterwards if you have any questions. All righty. Let's come back to Adam. Okay, so we don't <coughs> we don't really vote on our budget here at Sovereign Hope. What we do ask is that if you've got any questions or any hesitancies, anything that's conflicting in your heart about it, that you express that by going to uh, Ben or one of our deacons, Chris or Melissa, and kind of letting them know. And so we basically give you um, about four weeks to do that so that if there is anything that we need to be awa- made aware of as elders, that we kind of follow that process. Um, we have you express that. We work through that. Um, and then if we need to make any changes or tweaks to it, then we're very open to doing that if we feel like that's valid. And so we won't actually implement this budget until the end of January. Um, when we've taken in January's money, then it'll start being distributed um, in this manner. So what's great about what Ben shared is that essentially we saved um, a little over $30,000 last year that we didn't have to spend, and then that gets to roll right into our Sovereign Hope International accounts. We've got $40,000 in that account. That doesn't count anything that'll go in there this year. Um, So by the time that we are sending people, um, we hope to have a really good amount in place that verifies to them they can sell everything and move and know that they're going to be taken care of. Um, and so pretty much 100% of their support to go is coming from our church. And so this is a testimony to God's work in your life, how God continues to bless us financially, but how he's also convicting us to not simply hang on to that blessing for ourselves, but to be very faithful to give. And so um, I, I'm so thankful um, for your continued generosity um, I'm thankful that as, as, as we come together, we give our money to the church so that we can do bigger things. None of us individually, I don't think, could support people going to Uganda on our own. And so we've talked about one of the reasons that we give to the local church is so that we can pool our money together to do big things together that individually we couldn't do. Um, and so we're excited about being able to send uh, hopefully three to four people um, by the end of this year over to Uganda to help with Chris's ministry with the hope of building a need for a church plant over there as the gospel goes forth and Ugandans are getting saved 
that we begin to, to the, the beginning stages of planning a church over there. So um, we wanted to encourage you with that this morning. Um, before we get into the exact numbers here in a couple of weeks, to go ahead and kind of let you know that the anticipation is that there's going to be $40,000-plus in that account as we start this year. So um, praise be to God for, uh, for that. Um, all right, so coming back to some of our goals and resolutions for 2016, some personal goals um, that I want to kind of challenge you with. We said people don't drift towards holiness. Last week I gave you a definition for discipline. It means learning to do the things you're able to do now to ensure you're able to do things you currently cannot do now in the future. So discipline is essentially doing things now because you can't do things that you want to do. And so you do things now so that in the future you're able to do those things. And so I want us to think in those terms. I challenged you last week to spend this week hopefully coming up with some things that you can't do right now that you'd love to be able to do at the end of 2016. And I'm going to share with you my personal goals that I've set for me for this year, things that I currently can't do right now that I want to be able to do this time next year. Um, but as we move kind of in that direction of thinking, um, personal goals. What are some personal goals that you have? What do you want to do in one year that you can't currently do? A lot of times resolutions start with personal study. And I want to challenge you again in that area. Um, as you begin 2016, we all need to reevaluate where we stand with our time in God's Word. We need to commit to consistent time and a consistent plan to being in God's word this year. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about our minds being transformed. Again, that doesn't happen by accident. What does happen by accident is being conformed to this world, right? I don't think Lot's family meant to move down to Sodom and to begin to think like the Sodomites. They, 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 they didn't mean to do that. It just happened by accident. They get into that city and they start to become like the people that they're around. Okay? Being transformed takes planning and purposeful intent. Being conformed, you just happen to do that. You just, you just ease into that mindset. Being transformed takes some active commitment. Okay? Um, so in order for our minds to be transformed, we need regular exposure to God's Word. So I want to challenge you as we begin this year that you evaluate what time in the Word looks like for you. Now you'll remember, here at our church, we do not mandate or push any type of set standard for what it means to be in God's Word, okay? So you'll never hear me say that you need to be spending a minimum of 10 minutes a day or a minimum of one hour a day in God's Word, okay? What you will find is that I say on a weekly basis, it needs to be something that you can step back and say, I spent time in God's Word this week, whatever that looks like for you. If it comes in big chunks, if it comes spread out over seven days, that we want to view it more as a weekly thing versus a daily thing, because of, at times, schedules can get crazy. Again, I think the priority needs to be that God's word is there daily, but we're not going to mandate or really hold something over your head that's not pushed in Scripture. But I do think, looking at it from a weekly standpoint, am I faithfully exposing myself to God's word on a regular basis? Tyson was real helpful yesterday. He posted some reading plans um, on the city. Um, I think that's probably... The first thing that people think of when they think about New Year's resolutions from a Christian standpoint, uh, reading through the Bible in a year. All right, there's numerous plans that are out there. Again, Tyson did a lot of research and pulled a lot of those plans together. They're posted on the city for you to kind of look through, potentially pick one that, that you would like to do. There's obviously a lot of advantages to it, big picture, uh, being able to see how everything fits together, being able to identify themes that, that run through Scripture, that 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 consistent thread that we can see 
there's obviously a lot of struggles to it. Um, for me, one of the personal struggles I experience is that my mind doesn't often allow me to read the chunks that I've been assigned to read. See, I've conditioned myself that on a, you guys know on the weekend when I'm studying for a sermon, I'm spending five to ten hours on two verses. So to tell me that I've got to read ten chapters in one day, it's very difficult for me because I don't want to read ten chapters in one day. I want to stop and read at most one chapter and really try to digest it. So one of the struggles for me is my brain has a hard time operating that way. To, to be assigned 10 chapters is daunting for me because I feel like I'm not going to be able to understand what I'm reading. It's, it's going to be too much for it to be advantageous for me. I also struggle because some of the plans have you reading here and then here and then here and then here. And so you're, you're, you're struggling to get the context of what you're reading because it's got you jumping around. Now, obviously, not all of them are like that. But some of the ones that I've looked at, that's been a, a struggle for me is that I don't want to read a chapter in Kings and then a chapter over here and then a chapter here and then two Psalms and two Proverbs. What I would challenge you with, now the reading plans are there on the city if, if your brain does think that way. But what I would challenge you with this year, again, we're not going to hold over uh, your head specific mandates. What I would have you consider is both a fast and a slow paced reading plan for this year. So consistently saying, okay, I want to be in the Word, and I want to move through maybe a book of the Bible at a slow pace where I can really understand and really get the context and really digest the book of Colossians this year, or if you just want to work through the book of Genesis with us. But then also picking out, if it's not the whole Bible, a portion of the Bible, and you say, I'm going to read this chunk of Scripture this year because I've never really understood this chunk of Scripture before. And so I'm going to read maybe four, five, six books of Scripture this year, and I'm going to keep going back and rereading them throughout the year so that at the end of the year, I've got a real good grasp as to what is going on in the first five books of the Bible or the poetry books of the Bible or the four Gospels. If, if your mind does, and, and one of the other struggles is that if you miss a couple of days on some of these reading plans, I mean, you're done. Like, just wait till 2017 to try it again. Some of them have the makeup days built in. But honestly, if your schedule's already tight, it, you get behind a couple of days and then you're just done and you don't ever go back. There is a tool that I want to give you. I'm going to post this on the city, but I wanted to show it to you here on the screen. It's a Bible reading chart. And Anna, I think, was kind of making reference to something like this. You can print this off and keep it at your house. But it's basically, and I think, I think Nicole was showing this to me. I think maybe Nicole has one of these. It is basically a chart of every chapter in Scripture. All right, so you can kind of see how it is. It's got all the chapters in Genesis. And basically, it's an opportunity for you to just go through and mark off the chapters as you read them. You don't have to think of it in terms of, I've got to get through all of them this year. You can say, I'm just going to do it until I've read through the whole Bible. And I'm going to start in this book, and then I'm going to jump over to this book, and then I'm going to go to this book. And you can just keep track of what you have read and what you haven't read. Because I do believe, obviously, that as a Christian... We ought to have read through the whole Bible, and it ought to be something that we are doing on some type of pattern or schedule. We need to know what God's Word says. If other people from other religions are memorizing their whole holy book, far be it from us to not be reading our own that is true, that is from the one true God, right? So this is a helpful tool, I think, because it, it gives you all the chapters on one page, um, and you can read through and check it off. Again, it doesn't have to be done in a year. It's not a, a reading plan. It's just a chart to help you keep track. What have I read? What have I not read? Where have I focused my, uh, my focus? And where else do I need to maybe be reading? Because I haven't read any minor prophets 
Um, and so this is a helpful tool that I'm going to post. If you'd like to print it, keep up with it at home, use it this year, use it in the coming years, um, I think it would be a helpful tool. You could also consider having the Bible read to you versus always having to sit down and read it. So a lot of us have commutes. It could be really helpful. There's a lot of audio Bibles that are out there, a lot of free versions that are out there. You say, I want to read through the Bible in a year, but I don't have uh, 30 minutes every morning to sit down and read 10 chapters. Um, you can purchase some tools that would allow you to listen to God's word as you read. Time that you're obviously uh, not able to do a whole lot. Um, it'll also protect you from doing things that you shouldn't be doing, like texting and surfing the internet when you're driving, right? Just say, what I do in the car now, instead of texting, is I, I listen to the minor prophets. So there's some ways to, to increase your time efficiency in being in God's word and to work through God's word uh, in big chunks. Um, I would encourage you this year as you're reading to look for promises to believe throughout your reading this year. Anna talked about words or themes. Because we've been so heavy on the promises of God recently, I would highly encourage you as you read and study this year to really identify promises that God makes, promises that we can cling to. And those promises extend from Genesis to Revelation. So no matter where you're reading this year, you'll be able to find promises that God makes. Um, one thing I jotted down, Bible study should be viewed like how we taught the Sabbath. You remember when we talked about the Sabbath back in Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3, the concept of God's work week, and we said that we don't believe that the Sabbath is mandated in the New Testament, but why would we not set aside a day of rest? Like, why would we think that that's an evil thing to, to put upon ourselves, that it's a good thing, a day of rest, a day to celebrate the accomplished work of a week? Similar to Bible study. We're not going to tell you that the, that the God's word tells you you have to do it, you have to do it in this way. Um, but why would we not prioritize God's word on a regular basis? It's been given to us. We're at a time in, in uh, history where other Christians did not have the written word accessible to them. They had to come and hear it taught publicly because they didn't have copies. We've got it available on our phones. We've got it available just about any time we want it. Uh, why would we not prioritize being in there in some form or fashion uh, this year? Um, some app suggestions that I want to give you to help you in your time in the Word this year. Desiring God just came out with one called Sermon of the Day. John Piper has come out with a different sermon that he's tagged for each day this year. So you can download it. It's for free, and it'll give you a sermon to listen to by him, things that he's taught in previous years. Again, this is something you could listen to on your way to work. Sermon of the day is what that's called. And then Solid Joys is one that people have used before. It's by Desiring God. It's a, it's a daily devotional that you can pull up on your phone as well. So both of those by Desiring God, Sermon of the Day, and then Solid Joys. In addition to reading the Bible, um, it's also helpful to read other books as well to help our personal growth. Proverbs talks about getting wisdom and getting insight. A couple of ways we do that. One, by spending time with people that are smarter than us. Right? So I'd encourage you this year, make time and effort to eat meals with people that you consider smarter than you, wiser than you, um, and glean from their wisdom. Be faithful to Proverbs. Get wisdom. Get insight. But another way we do that is obviously through God's word, but then also through uh, reading outside sources, people that we hold in high esteem, that we trust, that we believe are faithful to the gospel. We learn and glean from their wisdom. I want to give you a helpful tool uh, as well for reading other books this year. This was super helpful when I came across it yesterday. It's called the 2016 Reading Challenge. And what I love about it is that it is broken up into, it's broken up into avid reader, light reader, committed reader, and obsessed reader. Okay? Um, for the light reader, 
It challenges you to read 13 books this year, but not just any 13 books. It helps create a variety in your life. So you'll see, if you're trying to read the 13 books because you're a light reader, it's going to challenge you to read one about Christian living, to read a biography, to read a classic novel, to read a book that someone tells you has changed their life. So this is an opportunity to glean wisdom from somebody. You, t- you go to somebody, you have a meal with them, and in the midst of that conversation, you say, hey, t- tell me about a book that's just really changed your life. I'm looking for books to read this year. Um, a commentary on a book of the Bible, a book about theology, a book with the word gospel in the title, a book your pastor recommends, a book more than 100 years old. That's a good one to have on the list. Uh, a book for children, a mystery or detective novel, a book published in 2016, a book about a current issue. Just to kind of broaden your scope and broaden your wisdom and insight into things that are going on and things that have happened in the past. You can continue to work down the sheet if you're an avid reader, and it continues to give you a variety of types of books to look for so that you're not just reading one author, one author or one type of book all year. You get all the way down to the obsessed reader. I don't know that we have a ton of these people in our church, um, but that's for 104 books a year. That's two books every week. That's impressive. That is impressive. But uh, yeah, and there's some extra credit books down here. There's one pastor, though, that reads, uh, he's got a reading plan for 500 books in a year. Um, My brain definitely doesn't work that way. Like, that is way too fast. Um, Yeah, I think 66 of them come from the Bible. (laughs) So I'm going to post this as well. I think it's a helpful tool for those that are maybe trying to consider uh, a reading plan for this year. Um, Beyond just the book we gave you at Christmas, um, we can read more than one a year. Um, This may be a helpful tool for you to consider doing that. No, it's not just Christian books, no. No. Um, And you can tweak it to, you can tweak it yourself as well. All right, some productivity sheets that I'm going to post as well. You'll remember when we talked about being productive, we talked a lot about determining our goals. Dan shared um, a really helpful book, um, a book that's changed my life. If you're looking for a book that uh, somebody's uh, saying has changed their life, um, What's Best Next by Matt Perriman talks a lot about productivity and how to increase productivity in your life. One of the things that he talks about um, is determining your roles, things that you're responsible for. And you'll remember I talked about I have a role as a husband, I have a role as a principal, I have a role as a pastor, I have a role as a Christian, I have a role as a football coach. And so determining all the labels that apply to you, and then underneath that, determining things that you're responsible for so that you can help determine tasks that you need to complete, so that you can have faithful weeks of of productivity, so that you can schedule your week and that you can rest well on the weekends. And so I'm going to post some some tools for you as well as far as how to define your roles, how to architect your schedule. Uh, One thing that really helps with productivity is reducing some of the expendables in your life, things that other people could do for you. Um, I've got a guy in my life right now that I found on uh, Facebook, Sonoy, Anything that I feel like is a, is a time consumer for me, things that I don't know how to do around my house, I call this guy, he comes over, he does it cheap, he does it well, and he saves me time, time that I would have spent double, triple, quadruple times doing. He's helped me become more of a productive person, gives me more time with my family. Um, so he's a big help for me in reducing expendables. Um, but some of the things I'm going to post, a, um, let's see here, a productivity worksheet. That I'm going to make available to you. Again, this talks about your roles, defining your responsibilities, personal, family. Um, you can list some others there. 
um, and then the tasks or projects that you have that fall underneath those. Um, and then coming up with a mission statement for each one of those as well to help you in your productivity this year. So I'm going to post that and make that available to you as well. Encourage you to take advantage of it. And then one suggestion that I want to make just as we're kind of talking about productivity, um, an app that I found recently called Unroll.me has helped me tremendously over break. I don't know about you, but my email has become full of junk subscriptions that consume my time having to work through and find the things that are important. This this app called Unroll.me, it finds all of your subscriptions for your email address, and then it throws them up to you one at a time, and you just swipe if you want to unsubscribe it. You, some of you have tried to unsubscribe before, and it's, it's like a five-step process to get off somebody's mailing list. They do all the work for you. You just slide it off and say, I don't want this anymore, I don't want this anymore, I don't want this anymore, I do want this, and they go unsubscribe it all for you. These two weeks, I've had very little email, and it's been such a joy for me because I'm tied to my email because of my job. So if you're looking for something to help clean up your life, that's a great app for this year. And then one other thing I wanted to kind of challenge you with is in regards to our accountability, um, our accountability groups here at Sovereign Hope, enlisting the help of others to help you fight for the things that you want in your life this year. Um, and I was challenged because I was reading uh, Tim Challey's stuff. He writes a lot of stuff for 2016 resolution type things. And he was talking about how he's come up with some specific questions that he has given to his accountability group. Now, in the past, we've given you suggested questions to work through as accountability groups. But I was really challenged by his concept of he wrote his own questions that are unique to him. He's given those to his accountability group and basically said, Hold me accountable to these things. So I would challenge you potentially this year to maximize our accountability groups that we have here at Sovereign Hope to write through some questions that are unique to you that you want your group to help you fight for uh, this year. A couple things to wrap up here. Um, resolutions are great, I believe. Um, I think they're, um, I, I think God allows our calendar to work the way that it does. Remember we talked about God creating seasons and times and years? I think he does that intentionally. I think he allows it not to be just one long, drawn-out line, but he gives us birthdays. He gives us holidays because it causes us to pause and to reflect and to celebrate and to rejoice over the birth of people in our life, over accomplishments, over things that we did last year at this time. Um, and so I think God allows a fresh start every calendar year because it does give us time to pause and to reflect and say, what are some changes that I want to make to ensure that I live better, live for Christ in a, in a more holy, God-honoring way this year? Um, but oftentimes what happens with resolutions, we don't carry through with them. So a couple of things that you maybe want to jot down for accomplishing your goals this year, some things that will help. One is making resolutions and not wishes. Sometimes resolutions are more wish-based than resolution-based. It's things that I wish would happen in my life versus things that I'm actually going to do. The difference between the two is defining it and being specific with it so that you can measure growth. Okay, So a wish would be me saying, I want to be a better husband this year. It's hard for me to determine at the end of the year if I've been a better husband, if that's as far as I go with it. I want to be a better husband this year. I'm going to share with you how I'm going to be a better husband this year with one of my goals here in just a minute. Making resolutions, not wishes. Uh, making a few resolutions, okay? This is not a time to try to fix everything in your life, okay? It's a time to identify a couple of things that you want to be very intentional with this year. Making your resolutions into habits by planning. 
determining when and what you are going to do to make these things happen, okay? These things need to become habits if we're going to do things now to help us do things at the end of this year that we can't currently do. So making plans to turn them into habits, making your resolutions known to others so they can help hold you accountable, making plans to overcome setbacks because we're all, all, we will all get off track at some point, but making plans to make sure that we don't stay off track, and then making a commitment to pray for meaningful growth. Um, that's the component that a Christian is able to rely on that a non-Christian can't when it comes to making resolutions. This is God's will for our life, right? His will is for our sanctification. He desires for us to grow. He desires for every resolve for good to be done in our life. So we can pray, leaning on the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, I've tried to do these things in the past. I've failed or, or come up short, and I want through the Holy Spirit's power to see these good things accomplished in my life this year. Um, so let me share with you a couple of my goals, and then we're going to um, transition to partaking of the Lord's Supper together, and we'll be done for the day. Uh, my goals for this year, and I've broken them up from a spiritual standpoint, a personal standpoint, and then from a other person perspective. So I remember I told you last week, your resolutions don't have to be tied to what can't you do right now that you want to do a year from now. What is something that somebody else can't do that you want to help them be able to do a year from now? So I've got one of those as well. First of all, first off, um, my plan is, is not to read through the whole Bible this year. Um, but my plan is to read, and I'm going to tell you the goal, or the, the thing that I'm doing and what the goal is in that. My plan is to read the Minor Prophets this year regularly with the goal of being able to discuss them confidently with others. Okay, I've read the Minor Prophets before. I've studied them. I took a class on them at Liberty. Um, I would need some time to refresh myself if you came up and started asking questions about one of the Minor Prophets this morning. That's just, that's just where I'm at. I don't, I don't go to them frequently enough to be able to talk confidently about the content of each minor prophet. So my goal this year is to read the minor prophets regularly. Okay, so my brain can process a few books that I can just go back to and reread and reread and cycle through um, a few chapters at a time. But my goal is to read them with the bigger goal of being able to confidently talk with any of you guys about them at the end of the year. I want a big picture perspective on what God was doing at that time in Israel's history, what he was doing in other nations that he was bringing judgment upon. And I want to be able to talk confidently about that. I want to know who God was and how he was revealing himself during those times. So that's a personal goal for me, spiritually, to read through the Minor Prophets. Um, secondly, to develop a pattern of exercise with the goal of running two 5K races this year, uh, with one of them being under 30 minutes. I, th I had this goal last year. And I ran one 5K in March, and then I messed my ankle up in softball, kept playing softball, um, and it never got right. And so I never maintained my goal of running in a second 5K race. But I know physically I've got to get in better shape. I've got to take care of my body that it's dishonoring to God if I'm not. And so one of my personal goals this year is to set aside consistent exercise time. And I've already started, so I'm two weeks into it. Um, I'm one that likes to start my resolutions before 2016 starts. I feel like I get a, a run and start, and I can really push forward. Um, but to, to develop a pattern of exercise um, with a bigger goal of being able to run in two 5K races with a, with a time goal as well, because I want to be honoring to God with my body. And then my last goal is tied to being a better husband and helping an individual do something that they can't currently do. That's my wife. 
I want to teach my wife how to handle everything with our family if something ever happened to me. Up to this point, I've been the financial guy. I'm the one that handles all of our insurance. I'm the one that handles everything. I know all the passwords. I've got everything contained here or in hidden places on my computer. And I'm sad to say that if, if I didn't make it home today, you guys would really have to help my wife out to figure out where all our stuff is because she's not been a part of that up to this point. Um, not because we haven't talked about it. It's just something that we just never really did. Um, and so one of my goals this year is to kind of set aside a uh, husband-wife meeting. You know, we have all these meetings at work. I've got admin meetings and staff meetings to have a home meeting with my wife regularly at least once a month where we're sitting down and, and not just spending time together, but that'll be a component of it, but to really get intentional about helping her understand how our family finances work so that if anything happens to me, she and my kids are taken care of. Um, so I've got three goals this year, a personal goal spiritually to read through the minor prophets, to know that content confidently to where I can talk about it with others, uh, a, a, a personal goal from a physical standpoint to get into better shape, but not just to leave that in a in an out there of I want to work out more, or I want to get healthier this year, a specific goal. I want to run in two 5K races, one of them being under 30 minutes. And then I want to be intentional with my wife this year in a way that I haven't been previously, and that's to help teach her how to do some things that she currently can't do, but by God's grace will be able to do at the end of this year. Lord, we do praise you and thank you for what you're teaching us um, through your word in Genesis. We thank you for the opportunity to pause and to reflect upon this coming year and to hopefully make some intentional resolutions to resolve to do good for you this year. God, we pray that any goals that we set for ourselves are, are God-honoring goals, things that will further your kingdom. Um, Father, I pray that um, you would allow us to be challenged, to push ourselves, uh, to be in your word, to be transformed by your word. Help us to be reminded that, that it will not happen by accident. We don't wake up one day conformed to your image without making intentional plans to push ourselves in that direction. We're thankful that, that you're ultimately the one that works out our salvation. Um, but, Father, we know you've called us to play a part in that, to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And so, God, we're asking that you would give us a renewed, uh, a refreshed perspective on pursuing wisdom this year from your word, from important people in our life, uh, from resources that have been made available to us. Um, God, I pray that we would uh, resolve to do good this year. And, uh, Father, we do, again, praise you and thank you for Jesus Christ and the work that he's accomplished. We thank you for his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, and what it means for us. Father, we celebrate that together today. We thank you for the hope that we have that Christ is coming back. And so by partaking of the Lord's Supper this morning, Father, we are once again acknowledging that Christ is our source of salvation and that we are anxiously waiting for him to return. God, I pray that you'd be honored by us partaking this morning. I pray that as we see others partake, that it would be an encouragement to us, that we are not alone in this fight, and that we are not waiting for you by ourselves, but you've called us to be a part of a community that anxiously waits for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org.
Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.